This is Framework Leadership. I'm Kent Engel, and you're listening to Framework Leadership, a podcast about how to bring your personal life and organization to the next level. Wow, I'm privileged today to be sitting down with Julia Veach. Julia and her husband, Chad Veach, are senior pastors of Zoe Church in Los Angeles. Chad and and Julia have four children. Their book uh, titled Unreasonable Hope, uh, a, a powerful book, and it chronicles their story with their daughter, Georgia, and how that story has been a beacon of hope for so many people. It's my pleasure to welcome you, Julia, to Framework Leadership. Oh, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. And, and as we record this, you just stepped out from investing in our, our <laughs> university students here in Lakeland. Of course, you have the SEU campus there at Zoe yeah, Leadership we're, College. We're cousins. Yes, yes. exactly. We're the, so We're the cousin from the West Coast. As you said, you have SEU blood flowing for you all as well today. <laughs> Go fire. So, exactly. <laughs> Go fire. Hey, thank you for uh, taking time to sit down um, with us. I, you, you've had such a... A tremendous story, and I, and I want to start at the beginning. I mean, you grew up in a pastor's home, yeah, and uh, always kind of a part of ministry. Uh, mm-hmm. But when uh, when did you first feel that maybe ministry was something that you know God was going to place on your life and you would be a part of and be involved in? Wow, yeah, I did. I grew up in a pastor's home, and uh, like Chad and I are both pastors' kids, so we share that in common, and. Uh, I was involved in every aspect, worship, announcements, and um, I would do whatever. But I think where the the dream or the call to be in ministry myself came from a conference like this. Mm. It was an encounter uh, at an altar call. It was a moment in an epic service where I— I just I just felt a call um, to do something like this, and I didn't know if it was fifty people, five hundred people, five thousand people, or what it would look like. But I was uh, in middle school uh, around that time, and um, I would pursue business and finance throughout my course. And then in my young adult life, the dream started to come back. But I always wrestled with, did I want to do the ministry or the mm. business? And now we have a church, so I luckily am doing both. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. And and I want you to talk a little bit about that in just a few minutes and, and what you're doing in, in L.A. But your life forever changed um, on April 10th, 2012. Tell mm-hmm. us about uh, your daughter and, and her diagnosis and all what has happened in that. Yeah, April 10th. Uh, 2012, my daughter was four months. She was our firstborn, our baby girl. Uh, we've since have, like you said, three other children, uh, but she's seven now, Georgia Estelle. And when uh, I was pregnant with her, there were no complications. Everything was great. But Chad used to pray this specific prayer when I was pregnant that God would use her around the world. And we didn't know what that would look like or how that would play out. But at four months of age, uh, we uh, we did some testing for some developmental delays, and we received a diagnosis on that date from a neurologist saying that my daughter had a rare brain abnormality called lysencephaly, which is uh, a smooth, it looks like the brain is smooth in an mm. MRI. And with that comes severe developmental delays, 
and I remember that day specifically, he slid the piece of paper across the table because it's hard to communicate all the, the nevers. She'll mm. never walk. She'll never talk. So he said, I want you to read this and follow along with me. And it was a very stunning, shocking day for us. You, you know, you remember specific emotions of that day. Um, but she has defied every single odd. She's been wow. um, such a beautiful story. But her little life has touched a lot of people and impacted a lot of people in the area of hope. And um, yeah, I'm blessed to be her mom. No, it's a it's a incredible story of of what you you faced together uh, in that, but yet you didn't let it define your life, but it empowered how you wow. can have you know and make a difference in people's life. And and hmm. wow, so that's an incredible story. I, I want to talk. You mentioned uh, you talked a little bit about business in your um, yeah. in your life, and and you kind of <laughs> left a. Career, you were in real estate, right? And you uh, kind of yeah. left that a little bit to become uh, actually to become a full time caregiver yeah. in yeah. in yeah. Georgia's life, and then of course to expand your family and and grow it. What helped you navigate um, that transition wow. and manage that kind of stress? I'm sure it was very much <laughs> a part of all of that. Yeah, transition is the, the best word. <laughs> I. Um, you know, I mentioned this in the service today. I'm a firstborn, and yeah. so I always thought I knew what I wanted, and I love, I still to this day love to-do lists and task lists and conquering mountains. Uh, but I had a specific plan of what I thought motherhood would look like specifically for my life. I knew yeah. I wanted to work, and I knew that um, I wanted my kids to be developed, and I wanted to work on a lot of childhood development with the kids and to have someone say that you're going to have an extreme case of an undeveloped child was like a a really full 360 for mm-hmm. me and I I I quit my job uh of 11 years the next day I was in finance and real estate I did uh residential mortgage loans I did hedge fund I did some investing stuff and um I gladly uh, quit to be able to care for her. Mm. But I remember it was a really unknown season. And I, I know a lot of people um, walk into those faith steps and unknown seasons. And to be actually transparent financially, it was a huge faith step for us at the time because we were dual income family. And I just knew that that was what I was supposed to do. Not because there was so much unknown with her, but because I really felt like I was supposed to transition to a different season. And, you know, motherhood is not easier than full-time work. It's really not. And I I cared for her and did her appointments. But in that transition, I had a loss of identity a little bit. And I had to wrestle with, I'm not just, you know, George's mom, but I, you know, I I love and I feel called to do what Julia is called to do sure, this absolutely. season. Sure, absolutely. And um, while I was transitioning, I might have like organized my refrigerator four times a day and tried to make myself fulfilled. <laughs> but um, but we yeah we got through it. But it was yeah that's obvious the transition. And looking and looking back, I mean, and, and and of course in the moments there is that feeling of faith or yeah. this is a big step. But sure. now looking back and and knowing how you did transition. 
for those who might be listening right now who are in the midst of a very mm. difficult transition, yeah, what would be that word of encouragement that wow. could come alongside them in this moment right now that that you've taken to heart in your life through that transition that you faced? Sure. You know, I've spoken with um, parents of special needs children, or I've spoken with um, people that have been in the midst of cancer or cancer survivors or have faced some extreme diagnosis. And there's a commonality that we always talk about or joke about is that there are moments where it's literally just you and Jesus. Mm. That in in the midst of her diagnosis, there was a burst of faith when people were like, I'm praying for you. And there's like a support of social media. And then there are moments where it's silent and it's quiet. And in those times, that is where I learned the most because it was literally me understanding a few different things. One, that God was always faithful to Mm. make himself available to draw near to me when I needed him the most. And two, that he was he was never going to fail me, and he hasn't failed me yet. And finally, I, I think to learn as painful and as difficult as it is, and maybe the transition is exciting, that you have to enjoy it. And I look back at my life, and I'm, I don't know, maybe you're like this or not like this. I can be susceptible to like— getting wrapped up into the moment. Sure. Yeah. And and negating enjoying the sweetest moments. And I mean this is like from parenthood to marriage to engagement seasons to dating seasons to all the seasons. But even in the painful seasons, I did my best to find joy, to mm-hmm. find the the moments that brought enjoyment to the season. It's mm. a good word. Now, let's talk a little bit about what's going on in Los Angeles with uh, <laughs> Zoe Church. Yes. And of course, you know, LA is my home. I grew up in Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. So anytime I can get back there, I'm I'm yes. on the West Coast. That's but right. uh, the name itself uh, means abundant life. Yeah. How, how have your experiences impacted your church plant in, hmm. in that whole culture, in that whole scene of LA? Yeah, well, I mean, if you've met my husband, he is nothing but a beam of light, yes. you know? <laughs> and uh, it's fitting because he lives his life like that, that he's light to a lot of people. Um, but yeah, with four children and a lot going on, I think there's a reminder that we have to uh, always continue to evaluate is like, is are are we shining? Right. You know, are we actually a light in our city? And I think in a city of Los Angeles is known for broken dreams. It's a very yeah. transient city. It's a melting pot of cultures and backgrounds, even backgrounds of church cultures. And it's like, are we as a church, we talk about this a lot, like not only giving light to people in dark places, but are we helping give people life, that abundant life that Jesus desires for us. And we have found that through community, um, that has been like such an incredible tool to um, to to be the church to people. And what, what have been some of the challenges in in church planting and, and you know, creating and, yeah. and, and, you know, uh, and what have, what have you had to really wrestle through yeah. And and even maybe continue to wrestle through. Sure. 
I think for me personally, like I've really wrestled through, like, am I enough Mm. for this, for what you've called us to do? And, um, you know, do I have enough time? Do I have enough love? Do I have enough brain power? Is the calling right? You know, just like the feeling like, you know, can we, can we do all that's in our heart, you know, and do it well and, Mm. and steward it well? And, um, I think church planning is the funnest thing we've ever done. It actually, I mean, people talk about the failures and the stresses and the pressures, but honestly, it has been the most fun thing we've ever done. I mean, just the people we've met, the lives that we've seen change, the stories that have come in. I'm like, how is that hard? Like, that's such a beauty. It makes it all worth it. So I think you just have to get past yourself and you're like, oh, okay, it's not about me. It's not about Chad. It's about us playing our part. And uh, we're all just doing a small part to produce a big thing that helps give life to other people. Now tell us a little bit. I mean, you've got a, when I talk to Chad and, and just <laughs> listening to you, I mean, you have incredible dreams for Zoe in, yeah. in LA. What uh, Now talk to us a little bit about your plans for multi-site, Zoe TV, yeah. and maybe some more of that. Yeah, so we um, are one church in two locations right now, but we're about to launch our third location this fall in East LA. Mm. And um, I mean, you know, from living there, you can drive five miles and it can take you five hours. Exactly. (laughs) So we're trying to um, come to different areas. And uh, with that, there's actually not... um, there's not necessarily a dream to be, you know, a plan of like this many sites by this many years, as much as it is. Uh, we just try to like listen to the word that we have. So we don't necessarily have a, a plan for the sites beyond this one. Uh, maybe we stop at three. I, you know, maybe we go to 30. I don't know sure. right now. Um, but we're excited to launch our East location. So we've got El Ray, which is in the heart of West Hollywood, mid city. And then we have uh, the Valley location um, out um, in the Sherman Oaks, Van Nuys yeah, area. Yeah. And then we have um, the East location happening in just a few months. Here we wow. go. <laughs> now, you are champions, there's no doubt, for the Thank cause you. of the local church yeah. and, and, and your vision for the local church. And yet, it seems like God's opened up opportunities for your ministry to have a national impact. Mm. How have you navigated, you know, some of the diff, different uh, differences between your local, yeah. you know, ministry, LA ministry, and, and that national uh, outreach, so to speak? Yeah, so our outreach falls under uh, what we call Zoe Cares. We call it I Love My City. Right. And we extend past the city to the country and to the world. Uh, So I'm going to get the numbers wrong, but we've invested quite a few thousands of dollars into church plants, Mm. into um, we've partnered with different organizations within the city, fire relief victims, and um, also— throughout the country, and then beyond that, globally. So I think that we've done our best to do, you know, what we've we've called to do, not just, you know, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, but, like, we've, we've done our 
we've done what we feel called to do in terms of giving, but we want to do more and we're pursuing looking into what that looks like and um, how we can just continue to give. And so, yeah. The other thing I love is your passion for um, investing in the next generation of ministry leaders and your commitment to holistic development, educational stewardship. And that's why you have Zoe Leadership College that we have the privilege to come alongside and, and, and empower. But as you look at, as you look at these students that you have the chance to mentor and come alongside, mm-hmm. what do you see in their lives that excites you? Oh, yeah. And 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 motivates you to keep, you know, yeah. investing in them. Oh, I mean, if I had it my way, and maybe this is why we have so many children, is that I would be surrounded by young people mm-hmm. until I'm like in my 90s. I'm claiming 90s in Jesus' name. But um, yeah, I mean, there's nothing better than young hunger. Yeah, It's like I have the memories of what I was like when I had young dreams and passion that were birthed within me. And there's just, there's nothing more incredible than seeing a young person walk in their God dream. Yeah. And my dad used to pray this prayer over me every single night. He said, God, I pray that your will would be done in her life. And, you know, I like joke that like the, the church is filled with my children, you know, uh, but, um, you know, it's like, what do I want for my kids? But what do I want for our leadership college students and the young people in our church? It's like, I want nothing more than God's will to be done in their life, yeah. you know, that they would walk in the ordered steps of him rather than go out and lose their minds. So I think like I'm passionate about the next generation because one, that's the future, you know, and we miss if we don't, you know, I really believe that it's a necessity, not just a commodity. And um, we love our students and we love our young people and excited to do more and see more. Couple more questions. Yes. I want a couple of leadership questions, and we'll close out with our lightning <laughs> round here. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, you talk about how um, how Georgia gave you an understanding of love that you didn't mm. have before. Yeah, and that it wasn't, you know, and that it wasn't love for children in general. It was a love for humanity. Yeah. Um, what is the best leadership lesson you've learned through this journey? Wow. With Georgia. I mean, you know, I I remember a mom speaking to me that had a, a daughter with severe special needs that had just passed away. And I remember calling her when a doctor told me that I couldn't fly with her and navigating through like, okay, do I listen to the doctor or do I listen to how I'm feeling and, and my mother's intuition And we had a conversation and she was, you know, encouraging me. But at the end of the phone call, she said, you know, you love Georgia and you will start to see a glimpse of Jesus's love for you. And I feel like through that, I really experienced an understanding of just getting a glimpse of like receiving his love. And I think there's, she's taught us so much. And not only on leadership and love and life and faith and hope, um, but caring for someone that 
will never be able to say, I love you back, um, is, is almost a glimpse of Jesus's love for humanity and his people that don't say, I love you back to him. And I just, you know, a lesson that I've learned is to do my best when it seems difficult or a challenge to do my best to exemplify that same love for others, you know, that Jesus said, love one another. And, you know, I've tried my best. And I mean, we're all on a journey. I've tried my best to do, you know, what he's exampled for me. Yeah. And, and last question here before we, we move into our closing time. Um, what, as you think about uh, these young people that are starting out in, in leadership and yeah. what, what would be that piece of advice as it relates to what leadership is all about that you would encourage them with? I mean, leadership is about leading people mm-hmm. and it's about people, you know? So it's not leading the thing that you want to do. It's about leading people. And Chad's phenomenal at this. So if we have someone serving, um, the, the serving task isn't the gain or the reward. It's, it's the investment that Chad is actually investing, investing into that person while they're serving Chad. And so I think, you know, i I've always naturally loved to lead. Chad loves to lead. You know, we're we are we are good at knowing what we want <laughs> and enforcing tasks. But I think learning how to lead people and not just lead tasks is like two separate things. So um that's you know something I've learned. And I just I think if someone's new in leadership, just you know, really enjoy it and just remind yourself time and time again that like just trust him i mean easier said than done but yeah. like if you trust him i mean we can we can both attest to this like he's never failed us right. he's never failed us and um he's just been faithful for through every season good or bad or ugly or that um and even in leadership when it feels like vulnerable and scary you know don't trust in yourself yeah. You know, trust trust in him to help during those times. That's good. That's a good word. Well, three quick questions. Okay. Uh, fire around. Here we go. Yeah. First one, uh, you know, the church has mandated that uh, you have a perfect day off. Oh, what does a perfect day uh, off look like for you? The church has mandated. Well, <clears throat> I don't know if they mandated uh, the moms knowing what that looks like. You know, a perfect day off is obviously perfect Los Angeles sunny weather with zero humidity. That's right. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And we love to be outside. We've got boys. They'll destroy our house. So, um, you know, we have the Disneyland passes. So we like to do the Disney. I mean, anything that like makes the boys just like so excited. And then... At night, we have a babysitter and a good meal. So a perfect day off includes adventure and an incredible meal with all the calories. Nothing, nothing free, you know, all the gluten, all the dairy, all the things. That's my, that's my dream day. Sounds good. All right. (laughs) Second question. What historical leader, living or dead, would you love to have a cup of coffee with? 
Well, we're talking about dreams fulfilled. So you, Dr. Engel, and uh, you're you're my cup of coffee, and we uh, we've just crossed this off the list. So here we go. <laughs> wow, thanks. you're the you're the leader. Appreciate that. Wow. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, final question. Okay. What's your next big dream? My next big dream. Um. My next big dream. I used to run a lot, and I had a pretty bad injury last spring and I haven't recovered well. Maybe it's the age or the <laughs> what children do to the body. But um, my dream is to run another marathon wow. and we're working on it one mile at a time. That's a great, uh, I tell you, I, I love to run, but I can't think of running long distance. It has to be just <laughs> in sports or something like yeah, that. But yeah. no, that's a great, great dream. Well, hey, it's been a privilege to uh, have a conversation with you. And there's no doubt, I mean, just sitting here with you, you can just sense God's presence is on you in a pretty significant way. And and you have um, you have a definite gift of incredible compassion and care. Mm. And God's using you, you in that way and in a significant way. So it's a privilege to have you. And, and for more on Julia Veach and, and Zoe Church and Chad, you can go to zoechurch.org. That's zoechurch.org. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Great to be with you. To connect with Kent, visit kentingle.com. Also make sure to follow him on Twitter at kentingle and on Facebook at kent.ingle. Thanks for listening to Framework Leadership.